Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Hillary Clinton is officially the Democratic nominee for president. We'll talk live with a Mississippi delegate in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Then, state Republican leaders defend their party's work at the Neshoba County Fair. Later, starting a dialogue in Jackson between law enforcement and communities of color. If you get one definition of a police officer, I believe it has to be servant. And you, you just can't throw that word around like a cliché. And a rally is scheduled in Tupelo tomorrow in response to the killing of an unarmed man by a police officer in June. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi delegates to the Democratic National Convention are with the party in supporting Hillary Clinton as the nominee for president. In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, last night, Clinton accepted the nomination and told the delegates and the nation how she is different from Republican nominee Donald Trump. One of the delegates at the convention this week is K.C. Caldwell-Grist. She's from Tupelo, and she's with us live from Philadelphia. Good morning, K.C., Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. I bet it's been a late night for you. <laughs> a, a little bit. A little <laughs> later than I'm used to. Is this your first uh, convention as a delegate? No. I was also a delegate back in 1988, um, and I attended in 1984 with my father, who was a delegate. So this is my third convention to actually attend. Um, did Hillary do what she had to do to fire up American voters, not just Democrats, but independents? Oh, I think so. I think her speech um, was so inclusive. You know, I think that she, um, not only did she fire up the base, which of course she had to do, um, her message was one of inclusion and it was one of faith and of patriotism, but it also, she made it very clear, you know, that she wanted to reach out to Republicans who were dissatisfied. She wanted to reach out to independents and, um, you know, that basically everybody has a place on the Hillary Clinton team. 
you know, uh, just in listening to the, the pundits this morning, uh, of course, there were raves this week for Michelle Obama. It seems that she gave the best address and there were raves <laughs> for President Obama. And, and there were others, whereas with Hillary Clinton's speech, some were saying it was sort of the same old stuff. Did you hear something new that inspired you or really got you going? Well, I think that the, the overall theme of the convention um, as I said, was one of faith and, um, you know, inclusion. Um, it was one of bringing people together. And so there was some, um, you know, th- there was some some area where you felt like maybe folks were saying the same thing, but I think that you have to. Um, I think what Hillary brought to the table last night that perhaps was not new, but hearing it from her mouth um, was just her commitment you know, to stand by those things. Um, I think the fact that she has probably um, compromised a little bit um, to bring in the the Bernie Sanders people is is indicative of something, you know, that she brought to the table that she might be willing to do or is willing to do in order to, you know, bring everybody together um, to to unite the nation, to unite the party behind Donald Trump. Certainly, uh, the beginning of the week was rather contentious between Bernie supporters and Hillary supporters, and that seemed to be ironed out as the week continued. Is that what you saw in the convention hall? That was one of the most impressive things that I saw. Yes, it, it was not as contentious in the hall, you know, as, as far as the delegates were concerned, um, as you sort of saw on television. Um, certainly there were, you know, protests around town and that kind of thing. But the once once Bernie himself got on board and asked his delegates, you know, to get on board with Hillary, that began to, to really, you know, I think that was the difference to me in the Democrat convention versus the Republican convention where you still had this divisiveness. Um, at the Democratic convention, you know, you saw... The, I know at least in our delegation, and you saw it throughout the hall, you saw those Bernie Sanders supporters get on board 100%. Now, there were still some stragglers, of course, and, and I just think that's the way that's going to be. Um, but for the most part, Bernie Sanders stepped up. And Kate, he did his part to unite the party. Before we uh, before we're out of time, I do want to ask you this: It's a pretty much a foregone conclusion that Donald Trump will take the state of Mississippi. Now, the Mississippi chair Bobby Moak did not attend the convention. The former chair Ricky Cole did not attend the convention. The Democratic Party in Mississippi as, is seen as weak. Um, and not working hard to get people into the fold. Can you address that? Well, I think that's the Democratic Party of Mississippi of the past. I think that with Chairman Moak's leadership, um, we have new leadership in him. We have lots of new members on our state executive committee. Um, We have lots of new members on our county committees. And so I think that, um, I do think it's a new day in Mississippi. I think that we, you will see the Democratic Party working hard at a very grassroots level gearing up for municipal elections, making um, active efforts to recruit millennials um, and to, you know, use the, obviously, the momentum of this election, but to really focus on municipal elections next year and then gearing up for elections in 2019. Casey Caldwell-Grist was one of the delegates at the uh, Democratic Convention this week in Philadelphia. Casey, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. 
Coming up, state Republican leaders defend their party's work at the Neshoba County Fair. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Support comes from St. Stanislaus, a Catholic boarding school in Bay St. Louis for boys of all denominations, grades 7 through 12. Since 1854, St. Stanislaus has been dedicated to forming men of character in a structured environment. Learn more at ststan.com. Your favorite MPB Think Radio shows are now available on your favorite podcast app. So open that app and subscribe to any local program you love, like Everyday Tech. Android does have the most delicious operating system, I find. Jelly, it's jelly bean. The Gestalt Gardener. What's up? What you got going on? And of course, MPB's Season Pass with myself, Sam Wells, and Jay White. That's my guys, man. So what are you waiting for? Go search and subscribe today. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The Neshoba County Fair has long been a place where state politicians can tout accomplishments and rally support. And this year, Republican leaders are listing the passage of the state's new religious freedom law, known as HB 1523, and other conservative pieces of legislation as victories. This, despite the fact that 1523 has been the target of harsh criticism and legal action and has even drawn the ire of the Democratic Attorney General, Jim Hood, who says defending the law and others like it has cost taxpayers hundreds of thousands of dollars. In his speech to fairgoers, Bryant says he's proud of the new law. Well, I hate to remind you, Mr. Attorney General, but they sued us. We didn't sue them. They started this fight. We're simply trying to carry out the will of the people of the state of Mississippi as we were duly elected to do, and we're going to continue to do that. You see what the left does now? What they do now is that they can't beat you at the ballot box, they just sue you. Take you into federal court. Try to find a sympathetic judge. Now, now, now then, then they get so excited because they say, you know, the governor and the legislature, why actually they had contact with some religious organizations. Yes. Yes, we did. We do that quite often. As a matter of fact, I reach out to the American Family Association, the Alliance for Defending Freedom. I'll continue to do so. I was very honored after we passed the Religious Accommodation Act, 1523. Have y'all heard or read anything about that? (laughs) I, I think there's been more articles and editorials written about that than anything I've ever seen in the state of Mississippi. If man landing on the moon didn't have as many things written about as 1523, every day there's a new article. My goodness, you would think that the curtains in the temple had been torn. That's all right. We understand that. Secular progressives are concerned about religious freedom. I don't understand why they're so angry, why they're so concerned about it. Equal right, because they keep wanting to make sure that we cannot exercise our religious freedoms. You see, they're not mutually exclusive. You can exercise your religious freedoms while the laws are continued to be carried out regarding same-sex marriage. That's all we're trying to do. I was honored with the Family Research Council by receiving the Sam Adams Award for defending religious freedoms. Governor Phil Bryant at the Neshoba County Fair. 
Up next, starting a dialogue in Jackson between law enforcement and communities of color. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. MPB Think Radio is your voice for Mississippi. If you or your community has an event coming up and you'd like help spreading the word, send us an email. You've got mail. To PSA at mpbonline.org. There's a lot to be discovered about Mississippi. Like the little-known places you can visit on a Mississippi road trip. Or where to find a local brewery for a unique experience. Every Friday morning at 10, we take you on an hour-long journey through Mississippi. It's music, cuisine, culture, and history. And you never know where our next stop will be. I'm Mary Margaret Miller. And I'm Sharia Brent. Be sure to join us Friday mornings at 10 for Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The city of Jackson wants to improve relations between law enforcement and communities to prevent kind of, the kind of officer killings and unprovoked police-involved shootings that are gripping the nation. A panel representing law enforcement, Black Lives Matter, the judicial system, and children's advocates shared perspectives about race and policing at Murrah High School last night. Jackson Police Chief Lee Vance says police are being unfairly lumped together. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier techniques and cultures are different from agency to agency, and Jackson police are active in their community. We're already doing that. In what way? We've been doing that for several months. Outreach programs. I've talked about our PALS program. I've talked about our Citizens Police uh, Academy program for adults and youths. Uh, Just a number of outreach programs that put us in the community doing things other than taking people to jail. Once you start to do those things, I believe that you build up credibility within the community. So that's what the direction we've been going. It's one of these concepts that people put under the umbrella of community-oriented policing, which basically represents an attitude that we're going to integrate into the community and be seen as a part of the community, not people that just swoop in and take folks to jail. If you get one definition of a police officer, I I believe it has to be servant. And you, you just can't throw that word around like a cliche. You have to take it to heart. And I believe as a police administrator that that's the wisest direction for us to go. And we've been adopting that as a principle within our philosophy ever since I've been in the police department as chief. So this just did not happen for us. I think now that some of these tragedies have occurred around the country, These questions are obviously illuminated. But if somebody had to ask me these questions before these events occurred, you'd have got the same answers that you're getting now. You heard complaints about internal affairs and the allegation that it doesn't work for the community, it works for the police. What can be done about that if it's a true perspective or it's not? Well, I think you have to take it on a case-by-case basis. I believe we have a very... Uh, effective internal affairs division. But even people that have mistrust of that, as you heard in my response, they have other options, right? But an internal affairs investigation is like any other investigation. It's not necessarily what you know, it's what you can prove. 
right? And so you have to conduct them the same way pretty much that you conduct criminal investigations. It doesn't necessarily uh, reflect an attitude of, of, of being lackadaisical as far as investigating matters because it's like I said, having a police officer that's not professional, having a police officer that commits crimes, having a police officer that cannot follow the policies of the Jackson Police Department is absolutely unuseful for me. So my mission is to get either correct them or get them out of our ranks. So I, above everybody, is interested in having thorough, professional investigations done by our Internal Affairs Division, and I'm convinced that we got that. If, if we didn't, I would make changes. Now, that does not mean that every time somebody brings a complaint to us, the complaint is going to turn out to be favorable toward that complainant because we have to be able to at least prove these allegations in some type of objective way. MPB's Desiree Frazier with Jackson Police Chief Lee Vance at a forum on improving relations between law enforcement and the community last night at Murrah High School. Up next, a rally is scheduled in Tupelo tomorrow in response to the killing of an unarmed man by a police officer in June. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Robin Young. As we get ready to leave Philly, we'll visit the house where Edgar Allan Poe wrote one of his spookiest stories. On top of her head, solitary eye of fire, red extended mouth, I had walled the monster inside the tomb. Next time, here and now. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. The new MPB Public Media app is available now. Watch MPB TV, listen to MPB Think and Music Radio, and stay in the know with MPB News. Search for the MPB Public Media app in the App Store and Google Play stores today. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A demonstration is scheduled for tomorrow in Tupelo to bring attention to the shooting death of an unarmed black man, Antoine Ronnie Shumpert, by a police officer in June. The group organizing the event, Our Lives Matter Too, plans to march from the Bancor South Arena to City Hall in East Tupelo. Later in the day, a group called the Confederates United Patriots Society will also hold an unrelated rally at the west end of town in Boward Park. Reverend James Hull is attending the Our Lives Matter Too march. He tells MPB's Sid Scott the event is a plea for understanding in the city. Well, our understanding is that the case is still being investigated by the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation. And at some point, those findings will be turned over to the local district attorney's office. I can't tell you where that is exactly in the process, but that was our last update. What is your confidence level in that investigation and from what you've heard so far? As far as I know, John Weddle is a very capable and competent district attorney. But there is an inherent conflict of interest. It's very difficult for a district attorney to uh, prosecute or even refer prosecution of a police officer since district attorneys work so closely with local police departments. So what we're saying is there needs to be an independent investigation, uh, probably by the uh, attorney general's office. There was a similar case in Columbus, Mississippi, the Ricky Ball case, and the district attorney referred that to the uh, attorney general's office where there is an independent investigation, which is totally out of the purview of the DA 
and the uh, and the city and the the county. And you would like to see that kind of treatment here? Absolutely, without a doubt. We've already informed city officials that we feel that's the best way to go. As far as getting that in front of uh, the attorney general's office, who makes that decision? As far as I'm the sorry. district attorney does, John Weddle is the uh, first judicial district uh, attorney. So that would be uh, that would be up to John Weddle, uh, who is the DA. Okay, got you. And then he would contact Attorney General Hood's office and ask them yep. to conduct their own investigation. Yep. What is the full context of this? Now, nationally, we have because of the rampant availability of cell phone footage. We've seen it all in in Baton Rouge, in the suburbs of Minneapolis. We know that there are issues with african-american communities and certain police departments is that the real context here is there are there issues in tupelo specifically that you're aware of that would provide better context you know i i think first of all we are we're talking about a similar incident that we've seen all over the country which is an unarmed citizen being killed by a police officer so in in that regard it is it is very similar to many cases that we've seen all over the country I think what makes this one a little bit differently is that there is an attack dog that's involved, and there are some questions regarding what role that dog played in the uh, in entire uh, incident. Uh, but without a doubt, uh, Mr. Shumpert was unarmed. Without a doubt, it's a he said, Mr. Shumpert can't say uh, situation. Uh, the only people who can actually say what happened would be Mr. Shumpert and a police officer who uh, who shot him. And so uh, it's 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 very similar in many ways, but very different in others. For the purposes of, of this weekend, it is to keep community interest aroused, to keep the community aware and that this is still something ongoing that needs to be addressed? Even further than that, the real purpose, as I understand, uh, this march that's taking place, it's a unity and peace march. What has happened is the situation with Mr. Mr. Schomper's shooting has actually caused some divisions, uh, different points of view if you will, regarding what happened and and why it happened. And so this march is to ask people to come together in unity to try to show that we are and can be a unified community, that we don't have to allow these kinds of differences to uh, separate and divide us as as people of good faith and goodwill and uh, just be able to actually uh, see things differently without, you know, falling out or, or having any major uh, major disputes on it. It's a unity march. It's not a march to agitate. It's not a march to uh, force the uh, officials to do anything. It's a march of unity. And uh, everybody in the Tupelo area has been asked to come out and be a part of this unity march. Reverend James Hall lives in Tupelo, Mississippi. He is participating in the Unity March this weekend. And Reverend Hall, I really appreciate your taking time to talk to us. Thank you so much, Mr. Scott. And of course, that uh, uh, it's in response to the shooting death of an unarmed black man by a police officer in June. We reached out to District Attorney John Weddle about the investigation into the death of Antoine Ronnie Schubert, uh, Schumpert, rather, and that call has not been returned yet. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9, it's Gestalt Gardner. Then at 10, next stop Mississippi. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women. 
If you missed part of the show, you can listen to episodes of Mississippi Edition on our website, mpbonline.org, or download our free MPB multimedia app and listen to the show as a podcast whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again Monday morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Robin Young. As we get ready to leave Philly, we'll visit the house where Edgar Allan Poe wrote one of his spookiest stories. On top of her head, solitary eye of fire, red extended mouth, I had walled the monster inside the tomb. Next time, here and now. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. Your favorite MPB Think Radio shows are now available on your favorite podcast app. So open that app and subscribe to any local program you love, like Everyday Tech. Android does have the most delicious operating system, I find. Joe is Joe Bean. The Gestalt Gardener. What's up? What you got going on? And of course, MPB's Season Pass with myself, Sam Wells, and Jay White. That's my guys, man. So what are you waiting for? Go search and subscribe today. There's a lot to be discovered about Mississippi. Like the little-known places you can visit on a Mississippi road trip. Or where to find a local brewery for a unique experience. Every Friday morning at 10, we take you on an hour-long journey through Mississippi. It's music, cuisine, culture, and history. And you never know where our next stop will be. I'm Mary Margaret Miller. And I'm Sheree Brent. Be sure to join us Friday mornings at 10 for Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. It's Marketplace Tech for Friday the 29th. I'm Ben Johnson in New York. A new study out of UPenn's Wharton School this week took a deep look at how crowdfunding site...